Hello world. Welcome to the Innovation Squadcast. Innovation Squad, transforming schools. It's the Innovation Squad, making instruction brand new. It's the Innovation Squad, innovation is key. It's the Innovation Squad, from Berkeley County. It's the Innovation Squad, transforming schools. It's the Innovation Squad, making instruction brand new. It's the Innovation Squad, innovation is key. It's the Innovation Squad, from Berkeley County. David Kelly, Jessica Levine, Nicole Lapointe, Gina Boyd, Priscilla Calcutt, Sloan Chenners, Lindy Valachek, Phil Sheridan, and Ashley Persley. And we are part of the Berkeley County School District Innovation Squad. Squad. Woo! Squad. All right, so today we have a special guest in the building with us. We have Miss Gina Boyd, <laughs> Berkeley County School District's Science Coordinator. And we're here to talk about STEAM. All right, so starting off, what is STEAM? If you had to define STEAM, how, how would you define STEAM for Berkeley County? Yeah, I'm going to define it for Berkeley County because really if you search for STEAM, you could find all kinds of information out there. But this is what we've zeroed in on in the county, that in a school for STEAM, we would want to see kids engaged in solving real-world problems through a transdisciplinary approach. And of course, STEAM, you have the content area supported with the S being science, T for technology, E for engineering, A for arts, and the M, of course, is mathematics. Now, there was one word that might have stood out in there that was transdisciplinary. We've chosen that approach in Berkeley County, and the key thing to remember when you're talking about a transdisciplinary approach that you are beginning with a problem, a real-world problem. And then, of course, you put your content pieces into the unit centered around that problem. I think a lot of people um, may have used interdisciplinary approaches before in teaching, but that transdisciplinary might be a new idea or a new thought, and that's what's really linked to STEAM. Yeah, and they're really similar. They both do have the content. But with transdisciplinary, you're starting out with that problem where interdisciplinary, you're thinking about what you're going to do in each of the content areas. When you say arts, we have some arts integration um, schools in our district. What does arts mean with STEAM? I can take into the you know the humanities um, way of uh, representing information in a variety of different uh, forms through visual arts, through um, performing arts and things like that. You also bring in social studies content and ELA as well. So everybody can really be a part of it since it's that age. And everybody doesn't have to look the same either. No, and that's the other beauty of it. You know, while a school, you may all be trying to answer the same question or focus on the same problem, but every classroom is going to look a little different. There's the base that we like in Berkeley County, which is having that common consistent vision with the transdisciplinary. Um, using the same instructional approaches, but but yet you can make it what you want it to be. And you don't have to use every single subject area within one um, STEAM experience. You can pull in ELA, you can pull in math, but if math doesn't fit, then you don't have to force it. And that was something I was glad we talked about today because for me, I thought every subject had to be tied in 
if you're going to be considered a STEAM school. Right, and I think sometimes we try to fit too much in, too. Like, even thinking about the standards, you don't want to put everything in it that might touch on it, but just really what is it you're going to truly focus on and assess it in. And so looking at fitting those standards in there, what would you say to a teacher who's looking at a pacing guide and saying, I have to focus on these standards right now, and my math standards don't match up with my ELA standards, and just nothing's matching up based on these pacing guides? Well, I think if you're looking at STEAM, you're going to have to have a little flexibility in that. Of course, in math, we know you have to follow that certain sequence because that's how kids learn math. But don't get hung up. We don't have benchmarks anymore, so, you know, you can, you can have some movement. What about time? One thing that stood out for me today whenever you were um, talking with us about STEAM is that it's something that's not all day, every day. So um, talk to us a little bit about how some schools, um, STEAM schools, have implemented um, STEAM units. It could be all day, every day if you wanted it, but you have to think about your content and what you need to teach. Um, it could be, I'm doing it in science and social studies today. I may be doing it in ELA tomorrow. I may be doing it just one week. I might be focused on a couple of lessons. It could spread for the entire semester. The only thing, the only restriction that we like to put on it is that a unit should not be less than 10 days because less than 10 days, you really won't have time to get into the meet of the unit. But again, that goes back to it's not going to be the same in every classroom. Um, you're going to make it meet the needs of the um, standards that you have to teach and whatever the topic is. So the length can be whatever it needs to be. And you shared earlier about flexibility and good thing about it in Berkeley County, like you can take the... Um, pacing guide and look at the different standards that you have to cover and then just figure out how you want to structure that to go for each individual month and how you're going to incorporate that with your STEAM unit. Exactly. How do you go about picking some of these units? You know, it's, there's a lot of things that you could cover, so like what are some of the suggestions that you'd have for picking things to focus in? You can take a look at it from a lot of different ways. I mean, of course, student interest um, your standards, what it is you have to teach, a real-world problem. Like, you know, you think about recently the hurricane we had with the flooding in Horry County. I mean, that's going to be something that's going to be on kids' minds. So if I'm teaching a weather unit, why not work with the flood? Because that's something the kids can relate to. So thinking that it's real-world, thinking that it's based on student interest, thinking that thinking about the standards and the content you have to cover, you can even take an existing unit you already have and do some tweaking in it. For example, you do a unit that centers around force and motion with roller coasters. Well, let's just make it real world. We need to design a roller coaster for Carowinds because Carowinds is a local place for us. So, again, there's a lot of flexibility within that. I think it depends on what's happening in your own backyard and what you as a teacher need to teach. Looking to define STEAM for Berkeley County, what are some strategies or approaches that you've seen teachers or people in Berkeley County using that may not fit that Berkeley County definition for STEAM? We mentioned that word transdisciplinary. You don't have to be transdisciplinary all day every day. We already talked about in the unit it might be a day here or a time here or a week here. 
Again, we've already talked about the fact that it's not going to be the same in each classroom or grade level. The end result you want to be the same as far as what kids learn, but the path you take to get there. It's also important to remember that it's not art as an add-on. Um, it's not just drawing a picture for something that you did. That doesn't mean you can't draw a picture, but it includes more than that. The other biggie um, is that it's not just about a specific activity or a specific material or makerspace. There's lots of good STEAM activities, and makerspaces are also great experiences for kids, but you also need to think about when you're using those pieces, how does that tie into the purpose of what your unit was? Like, you're not taking kids to a makerspace just to make something to make it. It's got to be something that Purposeful. relates to what you're thank you, purposeful, that it's got to relate to whatever it is your standards are asking you to cover. It's also not something that's packaged and scripted. Um, there's a real temptation to go to things like Teachers Pay Teachers or Pinterest or um, even go to the teacher next door and take what they've already used. It's okay to look at those things, but this is about making it real-world relevant for your students and not using something that somebody else has shared with you. Clubs are a big part of STEAM, and they're great. You don't have to have them, because remember, that's one of those activities. Just because you do clubs doesn't make it a STEAM school. Um, it's not about 30 minutes on Friday or having a Friday fun day, STEAM day. That's great, but remember the goal here is to impact instruction. And if you're just doing isolated activities on a Friday, you're not going to be doing that. You want it to become a part of the kids' everyday uh, school routine. So therefore, it's also not going to be a special area. Again, you can have a special area that's centered around a discovery lab or something like that, but that's just one piece oh, of it. I think what those labs, discovery labs, makerspaces, um, stations in classrooms, it develops that mindset, which is a part of, I feel like, part of STEAM as well, as it's just a, a growth mindset of always looking for things to, you know, problems to solve and, and things like that. STEAM is a mindset. And it also goes back into, um, Phil mentioned earlier about personalized learning, but we've also talked a lot about the four C's and how really um, STEAM can definitely help support those um, four C's as well. And soft skills. Mm -hmm. I know that's a big push for our district this year. And honestly, with the new teacher evaluation tool, if, if you're, the way a STEAM lesson's designed, I mean, you're covered. So what you're saying is that STEAM is not something extra on my plate as a teacher. It is something that fits in well with what I'm already doing. It's a way of taking something that's on your plate and looking at teaching it in a different way, not something in addition to. And in fact, I had someone um, on a school tour of a STEAM school. Um, they turned and looked at me and said, isn't this what we want all kids doing every day? <laughs> and I mean, the answer was yes. It, this is this is nothing new. This is simply good instruction. And the STEAM school isn't just having a, you know, the makerspace thing. I think it can be confusing. You have to have a makerspace to be, you know, fully embracing STEAM. And I don't think that's necessarily the case because, you know, we want STEAM taking place um, as a part of, part of what we're doing in our classroom, as a part of our curriculum, a makerspace is a is a space for exercising their skills in, um, you know, the four C's uh, in in discovery and, and learning, getting a little bit more hands on with the tools that they could use, um, like robotics and things like that that they may incorporate 
uh, into their classroom when, when taking on some of their STEAM units, but you don't have to have a makerspace to be effectively doing STEAM in your school. Exactly. In fact, we've even had schools who have said, well, we don't have a place for a makerspace when they're just wanting to start out. And I always say, but that's not where you start anyway. In fact, we the only thing we really ask in Berkeley County is that you stay. We have actually three pieces that we think builds the actual foundation, and that's that we have a common, consistent vision, which I shared the vision with you earlier about it being transdisciplinary and real world. And with STEAM schools, we do ask that they do two STEAM units a year. Sometimes people say, well, how does doing two STEAM units make me a STEAM school? It doesn't. That's just where you start. That's where you see how the instruction looks. And then, of course, those STEAM units are integrating those STEAM instructional practices that I already shared with you. Um, but beyond that, you start there with those units, and then you begin to see, okay, a makerspace. This is how I can use a makerspace. This is how I can use robots. You know, that's when you begin to see how those different pieces fit in. It's all about the process. Exactly. And one other misconception is money. They feel like you have to have all this money to spend on all these expensive pieces of equipment that you don't need. No. Wait until you get into it, see what you need. And it, I mean, it's not cheap, um, which a lot of schools have had to do grants to even get those materials to go in those makerspaces. And we have... The you know the technology department has resources that can be loaned out, borrowed, um, so to get you started if you need some robotics kits or some things that's a part of uh, a unit you're studying, doing, you can get it through us here. First, we want to thank you, Ms. Boyd, for coming out to talk with us today and share Berkeley County's vision for STEAM. Thank you. And I would like to say thank you to you because I believe it's us working together because we want people to see how technology can be embedded with the STEAM unit and with us all speaking the same language. I hope that the teachers out there will realize that we're all here working for the same thing to help and support. And, and coming up, I think you're going to have a conversation with Cassie Quigley and Danny Hero. They are the two STEAM experts. In fact, they're known throughout the nation. They travel around the world doing talks on STEAM. We actually worked with them when we began this process of developing this vision for STEAM in Berkeley County, and they're going to come and have a conversation with you about what that looked like. They are the people who um, helped us build the vision. They've helped us train teachers on how to create units. They come in and they do observations and feedback. Go Tigers. <laughs> you can only see the looks. Stay tuned for more. Hey, social media users. Are you looking for a one-stop tech shop for quick tips to implement in the classroom right away, technology resources, and tech updates? Well, look no further than BCSD Tech Team. Follow us on Twitter at BCSD Tech Team and check out our Facebook page, the BCSD Innovation Squad. Welcome to today's podcast. We have a couple of special guests that we want to introduce today. Um, my name is Sloan Chenners from the Innovation Squad. I'm Nicole LaPointe from the Innovation Squad. And we have with us... Cassie Quigley. 
Danny Harrell. And this dynamic duo met at Clemson. They have been working together for six years, conducting STEAM research, professional development, and teaching graduate classes. They've been leading the charge for STEAM in our district, Berkeley County School District, and across the United States for teachers, instructional coaches, and administrative teams, even with communities around the schools to support these STEAM initiatives. On top of all that, they've also recently wrote a book. Will you tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, absolutely. So the book um, is going to be published in May 2019 through Teachers College Press, and the title of the book is STEAM Education, Connecting Disciplines for 21st Century Learners. So we, we really felt a need to um, help both uh, help districts, administrative teams, teachers, and again, as you mentioned earlier, some of the communities around some of the STEAM initiatives with having a bit of a blueprint for how they might vision and enact STEAM in their local context. We obviously know that not all schools and teachers are the same and communities around schools are the same. And there seemed to be a lot of confusion about what STEAM really meant. So we thought we could draw on our research and our experiences and honestly on some of the really great practices that we've seen in classrooms, many of them here in Berkeley County. So one of the things that you will hear us say over and over, or either in the book or as we're working with you, is that our conceptualization of STEAM is that it foregrounds the problem, and Cassie just mentioned that. So the problem is what really what comes first, and the disciplines uh, emerge naturally through that problem. So in our work with teachers, what we try to do is help them create age-appropriate scenarios or problems in their local community, so in their backyard sometimes, that may be connected to a global issue. And then we start saying, well, in the real world, what disciplines would you use? What, you know, uh, would you need particular science or math skills as a part of this? We also think about, and we'll probably talk a little bit more about this, we think about the arts in STEAM pretty broadly, arts and human humanities. And many of the problems, the real world problems, are humanitarian issues. And there's a lot of social issues that um, go along with that. So again, the goal is, to engage kids through STEAM, but to really make them, as Cassie mentioned, really, um, problem solvers that can transfer some of these skills to the, the real problems that they're facing now and as they become adults, they certainly continue to face. The other piece is that teachers find a lot of joy in this sort of teaching. So when they, um, you know, are given a little more flexibility, and again, this is standards aligned, there's a lot of formative assessment, of course, there's summative assessment, so they can kind of, you know, check all the boxes of what's necessary. Um, but teachers have said to us over and over again, oh my, you know, I'm so glad to be teaching in this sort of environment. I enjoy teaching again. Um, I find it really creative. And of course, the kids are really engaged. And then as sort of a, um, you know, implication of that, they talk about you know, the classroom management, you know, becomes a lot less. They, they don't have to um, worry about the kids staying on task as much because the kids are engaged in what they're doing and they will say, you know, the students, um, particularly we had one group of students who was really interested in plastic pollution and they said, oh my gosh, we, we they've just taken off, they're doing things on the weekend connected to it, they've started a, a pollution club um, and they've, you know, really taken it outside of school and as Danny mentioned, you know, when, when they this is connected to their interests. That's exactly what you want to see. I think the other piece that we haven't touched on too much in here is the connection to the community. Mm -hmm. So yeah. when our teachers are working on and developing STEAM units with us, there's always a piece where they connect with an industry or a community mentor of some sort. And that has been incredibly powerful. And the teachers will come back and say, first of all, it's pretty easy to make those connections, surprisingly easy. Um, a lot of people either in the, the family community 
or in the business community around schools want to get involved, want to help, but the kids make those connections to potential careers or skills towards careers that they hadn't thought of. And so we hear that over and over again. And, and the mentors might Skype in. They might show up in class um, one or two times throughout the unit. They may sit on um, a, you know, a, kind of a pseudo board to have kids present their ideas to them at the end. There's all different ways of doing that. The teachers sometimes will record and replay um, one of the mentors talking with the kids. I think the, the really powerful piece of this has also been that the kids often will create questions as they're solving the problem that are important questions, sort of this need to know, um, that the mentors can help with. So it's not a sit and get where they come in and say, here's, you know, somebody's going to speak to us about whatever. There's a purpose for it. So that piece has been great. Yeah. When it, recently we were in a school district um, where the students were wanting to revamp the school lunches. And so they invited the, the, the head of the ca great. school cafeterias to come in to talk. And she, of course, she was incredibly knowledgeable. Um, but one of the interesting things that they learned a lot about, of course, were um, health safety, right? And so I thought this was a great question. One of the students said, well, why, why can't we share? Why can't we share lunches? <laughs> and so she talked about, you know, well, you know, we were concerned about sickness and those sorts of things. And then he really quickly said, well, what if we use, what if we use different forks? <laughs> so he, was, he really wanted to share his lunch, but it shows that connection. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Up with that solution. Yeah. Right. The interesting yeah. thing, I think the director of the school lunch program then surveyed the kids yeah. after that to find out what they would like to see on the menu. And the kids had also taken a field trip to a really cool uh, business not far away that it's, it's, it's Google-like, even though it's not Google, um, that served all of their workers' lunches and talked about what went into providing mm -hmm. meals. And, and it, it, was, it was very interesting. But the kids were also problem-solving around the acoustics in the lunchroom. Right. The, 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 yeah, mindfulness, the flow emotional well-being. Yeah. Waste in the, you know, in terms of whether yeah. there was too much styrofoam used or whatever it might be. So yeah. it just opened yeah. up all of these questions. My favorite answer on the survey was when they asked, what would you like? Um, a little girl wrote sushi. 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 <laughs> sushi. sushi and pineapple. Yeah. That's a great question. Who doesn't love sushi and pineapple? Yeah. What global impacts have you seen uh, as a result of this movement in education? Yeah, that's a, yeah, that's a great question. And so, as I mentioned, when we began looking into um, other models for STEAM education, one of the interesting things that we found is um, in South Korea, they have revamped their entire STEM curricula now to be STEAM. And it's very much in line with the same way Danny and I conceptualize it in terms of uh, real-world problems. Um, there's also um, Finland, of course, has always sort of um, led education. Um, they do a ton of experiential learning. Um, I think in Finland, they're, they are working with some American researchers to bring in um, STEAM learning. That's It's pretty high tech. There's a lot of making around it. And so it's a, in some ways, it's a curriculum that they're bringing, but it really meshes with the work that they're doing there. So that, that I believe, has had a huge global yeah, absolutely. impact in terms of restructuring, rethinking education, and connecting it very tightly to cyber-physical, right, technology and hands-on. Um, it's difficult to pinpoint the, you know, originators of STEAM, but a lot of people point to the D school, you know, out in, yeah, out in Stanford and California. And so, of course, when you look sort of on a map, lots of STEAM schools in, in California and Oregon, and then, but it does um, then sort of pop over to the East Coast, right, mm -hmm. which makes a lot of sense around MIT and those sorts of areas. But South Carolina really um, has, in terms of K-12 education, made a mark in terms of transitioning either STEM schools to STEAM schools or opening brand new schools. So I think 
something the state should be proud of. Okay, so thank you. We appreciate the time that you have given us um, today. Uh, is there anything that y'all want to add? I don't think we've talked much about the maker movement in STEAM. Yes. And so um, what we see as a natural connection to STEAM problem solving is what's happening in maker spaces. But we do differentiate that most STEAM instruction shouldn't actually originate or start with the maker space itself. It should, be, it should start with the problem. And so if it makes sense as part of the problem solving to make something or to use technology to either share what you've made or technology as a part of making, uh, that's certainly something that we not only promote, but that's the work that we have been moving into or working with teachers on. So I, I don't think you can underestimate how powerful, again, how important those learning experiences are for kids. Again, interest-based, a lot of things that they care about. We all know that if we are physically involved with learning, we're much more likely um, to remember the learning and to be able to um, apply it to other contexts. So we've been recently spending quite a bit of time in maker spaces, but we start with the STEAM scenario. We start with the unit, we start with the problem solving. We look at the tools that are there, a lot of them recycled, a lot of them donated, and we think about what might this mean for schools. Um, and so that, that's been really fun work. And I think the last thing I would, would sort of mention is that, you know, for um, teachers who have been teaching, um, you know, a long time and just seen a lot of initiatives roll through, which we um, both, both experienced as classroom teachers, um, we really do think about this as, as not an add-on. Um, and so the instructional practices that we work on are problem-based, is it inquiry-based, student choice, as you mentioned, technology integration, discipline integration. Each of those you could take individually, and it would be a great teaching strategy. Um, and so that is our goal, that we're not asking teachers to do one more thing, adding it on. Um, you know, we, we really hate to hear when, when schools sort of wait to the end of testing to do their STEAM units, instead of integrating it into the classroom day, because this really should be about, um, you know, teaching at first, right, instead of adding on to this, to this, um, you know, to everything else teachers have to do. And so um, there are often times when you'll be walk, walking into and observe a STEAM teacher, and it may look a little traditional in terms of the teacher might be focused on literacy circles, right? So um, pulling in some of those ideas, or if they're writing a persuasive essay, you know, that essay may be situated into a letter to the editor. Um, but, um, it, you know, it, it would may look really traditional, but it's situated in a larger problem. And so you, we really just hope that teachers will uh, see this as a way to um, infuse, the, you know, some of the great teaching practices they're already doing instead of adding it on. Yeah. And we honestly cannot say enough about some of the fabulous teachers we worked with here. We have walked into some STEAM classrooms. First year they struggled a bit, which makes sense, but are completely on board and want to change and continue to improve their practice. Some of the classrooms we walked in here in the second year, we have truly been blown away by how well the units are executed, and more importantly, how engaged the kids are and how um, significant the learning is. So. Another good sort of litmus test for is it STEAM or, or not is if it, at the end of the project or, or um, two-week unit, do all of the products look exactly the same? So for example, if we had, um, we had one um, teacher, so again, a good activity, she was teaching math, um, having the students build kites. But she set it up so that there were a step-by-step instruction, so all the kites looked the same. The kids went outside, flew the kites, did some, you know, distance time graphs. She was integrating math and science. The problem was, because all of the kites looked exactly the same, 
there wasn't that same level of creativity and the big piece was collaboration. Kids essentially all worked individually to build their one kite. They went outside, flew it, collected the data. And instead, in a STEAM situation, perhaps she could have opened up for some more um, inquiry and creativity for the students, allowed them to design their own kites or flying objects, right? So connecting it to, um, we actually did suggest her to con um, connect it to these ideas of drones, you know, who owns the airspace, those sorts of things. So make it more relevant to the, to the kids. And at the end, because the products look differently, this, what you see as a, as a teacher is really some new and different strengths in students that you may not have seen before. So you start to see kids that, as Danny mentioned, are really into music or videoing or into um, arts and new ways, right? Or engineering or building or those sorts of things. And so it really allows for teachers to be able to tap into the strengths of the students. Innovation Squad, transforming school. It's the Innovation Squad, making instruction brand new. It's the Innovation Squad, innovation is key. It's the Innovation Squad from Berkeley County. It's the Innovation Squad, transforming school. It's the Innovation Squad, making instruction brand new. It's the Innovation Squad, innovation is key. It's the Innovation Squad from Berkeley County.